0: This morning we are talking about a Christmas carol that maybe you know well, Uh, you probably grew up singing it, Heart the Herald, Angels Sing. And uh, we're taking one carol per week during the series and going through each one of them and just talking about some of the meaning and also talking about how the Bible is found within these carols and most importantly how the Bible applies to our life today from these well-known, dare I say, ancient Christmas carols that uh, have been around for hundreds of years. And have been inspiring hearts during Christmas this time of year for many years. So let me clear things up right away. First slide, please, or next slide, please. It is "Hark the Herald Angels Sing." The angel's name is not Harold. Okay, just throwing that out there. We got to get that right right away. Hark the Herald. So, but maybe you're wondering, okay, what does Harold, the first Herald, mean exactly? Anyway. Next slide, please. So a herald is an official messenger bringing news. And the second definition is a person or thing viewed as a sign that something is about to happen. The example is they considered the first primroses as the herald of spring. So we have this angel appearing, actually many angels appearing in the heavenlies and the skies proclaiming to the shepherds, something is happening. We are a sign. We are heralds of good news that today, I'm getting ahead of myself, but the good news of Jesus coming from heaven to earth and living as one of us and ultimately laying down his life for us. And let me tell you, family, there is no better news that this world has ever received. There will be no better news that the world could ever have, except for maybe the fact that Jesus has come back a second time, right? Where we will meet him. In the skies, and what a glorious day that will be for all who are in Christ. So Hark the Herald Angels Sing was written by Charles Wesley, who's the younger brother of John Wesley. John Wesley, of course, was the revivalist who led the Methodist revival in England, and ultimately became the Methodist denomination. But Charles was his little brother. And during his time, Charles was also a pastor in Methodism. And he wrote about 6,500 hymns while he was a pastor. And his whole goal was to pass on the word of God, good theology, through these hymns. And to some extent, that definitely happened. And this is one of the things that we receive today. And if, if you read the words of Hark the Herald and pay attention to them, like there is really good theology within each line. And so uh, that's what we're studying today. Now, as most Songs go through some variations over time. Hark the Herald Angels Sing as we know it, its last modification was in the 1960s. But before that, there was two more versions. There was the one that had the, the, the song that we sing, but had some additional verses. And that was changed by George Whitefield, or Whitfield, who was also a Methodist preacher. And of course, the first was by Charles himself. Here's the first two lines of the original. This might throw you off. Hark how all the welkin rings. Welkin is an old English word for the skies, the vastness of of the heavens. Hark how all the welkin rings. Glory to the King of Kings. Now, I don't know about you, but I am happy for the 1960 trade. Hark the herald. Angel sings. Makes a lot more sense to me. But there are some pretty amazing verses at the end of this that are very deep that we do not sing today. Uh, I have them laid out for our small group today. So if you're interested, stay for small group and uh, you'll get to dive into those verses a little bit more. But even in the 1960s version we have, we have a lot of good theology. We have a lot of truth about the season of Christmas and that's what we're going to tackle here this morning. But first, I want to read from Luke chapter 2 because Luke chapter 2 is what the, the hymn, what the carol is all about. In Luke chapter two verse eight it says, "That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, Rightly so, huh? But the angel reassured them, "Don't be afraid," he said, I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord." Has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign: you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others—the armies of heaven. All right, usually we think of like a scene of like these really nice, calm, delightful angels. I mean, we're talking like the kick butt angels of heaven. It'd be like an army, poof, just in your face. Poof. Of heaven, meaning like nothing on earth can compare. And they were there and they're like, hey, you better pay attention. Something's happening here. Verse 14, they said, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Boy, if you get nothing else out of Christmas season, in addition to knowing about Jesus, there is this sense that God is pleased And because of Christ, God is pleased with you, family. God is pleased with you. If you're like me at all, you have a lot of self-doubts at times. You'll probably be the first one to pick up the little mistakes you make and beat yourself up over them. Anyone else like me in this crowd? All right, we got some honest ones. I want to encourage you. This Christmas season and all the time, because of who we are in Jesus, God is pleased with you. He's pleased with you this morning. He was pleased with you yesterday. Now, do our actions, are our actions always pleasing? No, they're not. But you know what? The blood of Jesus, when we come and repent, is always pleasing. And that's who God sees when he views us. He sees the blood of Jesus that covers us and washes us and makes us new, just like we talked about in communion today. Whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that happened which the Lord told us about. I don't know if you noticed, but a little earlier, we're going to talk about these titles, but it says the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born in Bethlehem. Now, I don't know. I know they didn't have Insta. I know they didn't post this on Facebook. But, you know, it's interesting to me that during the entire time of Jesus' ministry, people were like, who is this guy? You know, uh, maybe he's the Messiah. Maybe not. He's probably not. Let's kill him. And and he's like, okay, if they just would have heard what the angels already said, we have Christ, the Messiah, the Lord himself coming down, go check it out. And so they did. And we too should be like the shepherds paying close attention to what the Lord was doing then and is doing now in our own lives. Uh, Before I go there, one of the hidden verses, I just, I love this, it gives you something to chew on. This is one of the hidden verses of Hark the Herald. Adam's likeness, Lord efface. Now we're all created in the first, in the image of the first Adam, and that one was prone to sin, that one messed up, that one blew it. Lord efface, Lord make it invisible, stamp thy image in its place. Second Adam from above, being Jesus, the perfect Adam, reinstate us in thy love. That's good, isn't it? That, that is all about what Jesus does in us as we follow him, becoming more and more like him each and every day. So you might be wondering, what exactly does hark mean? Hark. And literally, hark means to pay attention to. Listen closely. You might, under, you might hear it more as, hearken, you know, hearken unto me. Listen, pay attention to what's going on. And so just as the song goes, the, the Christmas carol is crying out, pay attention. And how many of you know that this Christmas season every year can get lost very easily from anything to do with Jesus? Uh, we can focus on gifts, we can focus on Santa, we can focus on, um, you know, family and relationships and, and all of those things, except Santa's neutral, all of those things can be good things, right? We want to celebrate what God's done. It's, it's fun to exchange presents, it's good to spend time with family, but you know what? None of those things are more important than the truth of who God is at Christmas and what he's done for us in sending us Jesus. Amen? He is Emmanuel, God with us. And so the song calls us to stop, pay close attention to what's happening, the real meaning of Christmas during this season. And so the first truth we're going to look at today is that we are going to pay attention, pay close attention, we're going to hark. Everyone say, hark with me. Not bad. Let's try it again. Hark. Hark. Hey, you're paying attention. This is good. All right. I pay attention. I hark to the fact that Jesus became, was God who became man. The second verse again says, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Man, good words. Late in time, behold him come, offspring Of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, incarnate deity. Incarnate, what exactly does incarnate mean? Well, it simply means that God became human, He became one of us. Uh, You know, only God knows exactly how Mary became pregnant by the Holy Spirit and conceived the Son of God. But you know what? We believe. And we trust that the word of God is true and that it happened. And as a result, Jesus was fully human and fully God. And because of that, he is fully able to to relate to us fully. Let me tell you, Jesus had some stressful days. How many of you had a stressful week this week? Anyone? All right. Well, you know, we know that work, we know that family, we know that things can be stressful. Jesus understands what stress is like. How about temptation? Anybody here been tempted to sin this week? Ah? Anybody? Alright, the rest of you are lying. I I know it. Because you're human. Jesus, the Bible teaches us, was tempted in every way that you and I were tempted. Every way. You tempted to sin somehow? Jesus was tempted. But you know what? Jesus was the only one. He was the second Adam. He's the only one the Bible says never sinned and acted on his temptation. And I would say the temptation that came to him, but he never acted on it. That's the differentiator between Jesus and us. And because of that, Jesus is the perfect one to pay for our sin. Because he's the one who relates fully with us and yet never sinned and being fully God was crucified, nailed to that cross Bled and died so that we can receive forgiveness. So God is incarnate. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Hark. Pay attention to who Jesus is in this season. A lot of people say, Well, Jesus, he's good person, you know, we can read about him in history. Nice guy, good teacher. Maybe he was a prophet. You know, this song and the scriptures would be a lot more underwhelming. If that's all Jesus was. If Jesus was only a good teacher, only a stand-up guy, maybe a prophet, so he had some power or whatever. Well, we could pass him by, couldn't we? You know, there probably wouldn't have been angels. Hey, come listen to a good guy. He'll make you feel good about yourself. You know, we don't want to reduce Jesus to being a motivational speaker. Amen? Amen? Jesus is the king. Jesus is Lord of our lives when we surrender fully to him. That is the Christian walk, to say, Jesus, I am not my own leader. You are the leader. And let me tell you, it is a daily practice to remind ourselves, Lord, you are in control and I am not. And yet, the more we realize it, the more free we are. Because then it's like, wow, God, you've given me what I need to live this day under your blessing, under your will, according to what you've called me to do. Pressure's off. When I'm submitted to God, the pressure's off. It's when I get out from that place and be like, oh, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work so hard. I'm going to do it so well. I'm gonna, and, and God's just like, I got this. Relax. I am the Lord of your life. Live in my love. It's so true. And So he is the Lord. He is the Messiah. Uh, Again, he's our Savior. Man, without the Lord, we would be paying for our sin every day and ultimately eternally. Right? The Bible teaches that our sin, the things that we do that we know are wrong, and in addition, God says are wrong, those things the Bible teaches are sin. And the only way to get rid of our sin is to have a Savior. We, can't, we cannot atone for sin ourselves. We must have someone who steps in to be our atonement. And that's who Jesus was. He, I've heard it said that atonement is making us at one with God. He is our atonement. He paid the price so that we can live. And so we need a savior. And that's what they proclaimed. He today is born to us a savior. Christ the Lord. Christ is another term for Messiah. And again, how things got lost in translation back then, the angels proclaimed it. But let me tell you, the religious leaders fought the idea that this was the Messiah come to save us. They did not like Jesus. They ended up hating Jesus. They ended up nailing him to a cross. They didn't recognize him as the Savior sent into the world. Are we recognizing Jesus in our lives? A lot of the Christmas story, you know, there was no room available for him. So they put him in the stable to be born in the manger. A lot of Christmas, a lot of our ability to hark is to remember that Jesus is the Messiah that he is the chosen one, come to save us and to make room for him in our hearts as a result. Savior, Messiah, Lord, all things of who Jesus is here and now today. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? The son of man was a title that he used about himself, talking about his humanity. They replied, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But then Jesus said, okay, that's what other people say. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, and I would say as inspired by the Holy Spirit, he said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus responded to him, Peter, you are right, and upon this rock I will build my church. Sometimes people use that to say that Peter was somehow super special, that he's the rock. No, 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 it is his confession of who Jesus is that is the rock upon what the church is built upon, that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. So who is Jesus to you? You know, sometimes we trivialize, as Christians, we trivialize Jesus. Well, he's someone we sing about in church. Well, you know, I might read the Bible one every now and then it talks about Jesus. Well, you know, I might pray to Jesus when I'm really in trouble. But is he Lord? Is he Messiah? Is he Christ in your life? It's something that, God calls us to pay attention to, to hark unto during the Christmas season. The second thing we're going to take a look at today is paying close attention to the peace that we can have as we invite Jesus into our life. There's a great theological truth that another verse says in Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It says, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. in Luke 2, again, in verse 13, it says, Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Family, are you a person who walks in peace? Are you a person who brings peace? to the world around you each and every day? Or are you someone who doesn't live in peace and brings chaos where you go, brings drama where you go, brings bitterness where you go? Boy, God has called us to be a people of peace. And and I think this is, Just something that we can ask ourselves, that we can hearken to during this season. Am I a person of peace? Now, I'm not saying that, you know, sometimes, you know, there's a difference between being a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. Sometimes we forfeit truth or we forfeit what's right so that we can keep the peace. And of course, we know that there's really no peace in that. Because the crazy still happens, right? But we can also choose to be peacemakers where we are people of peace. We live in peace, but we're also not afraid to confront some things. We're not afraid to bring truth into situations that need a little bit of truth in them, right? Because that might bring a little battle at the time, but let me tell you, some battles are worth fighting so that ultimately you can have peace. A lot of, I would say a a fallacy in marriage is that there's no fighting. Or in good relationships, there's no fighting. That's a really big fallacy. Good relationships have, for lack of a better word, controlled fights or peaceful conversations that might get a little heated. But you're not afraid to share your difference of opinion. You're not afraid to speak the truth to your your spouse or your friend in love. Because you know what? that Peace comes out of that. And, and better relationship comes out of that as well. Which ultimately leads to more peace. And so when I'm walking in peace with Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, and sometimes the way you keep peace is to keep your mouth shut. Oh, it's hard, isn't it? Anyone else struggle with keeping your mouth shut? When you could say something and you know you're right. Except the old adage is, is very, very true. You can be right and be so wrong all at the same time. So my encouragement is, let, let us be those who learn how to keep our mouths shut at the right time, but are also unafraid to speak up when we need to. To speak truth into situations, to speak truth to in love to the people around us, to our neighbors, not only be peacekeepers. You know, we're we're na- you know we're from Minnesota. You know, we are naturally peacekeepers, right? You know, it's that whole passive aggressive thing. Right. I'm I'm going to think it, but I'm not going to say it. And God calls us to be a little less Minnesotan, little less Minnesotan nice. Maybe a little more New Jersey or something. I don't know. You guys are like, that's a stretch. you have to change your accent. I mean, it'll be, it'll be tough, but you'll get there. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm sorry. But we do need to be willing to confront things um, in prayer, in truth, in the right way, but confronting in order to be peacemakers as well. So God brings peace to us. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. Family, how many people do you know? How many friends do you know who are trying to make peace in their life through bad relationships, through drugs, through alcohol, through all of the things that tear us down because they're like, ah, if I just... Get a little more, I'll be at peace. Family, we know that those things do not bring peace long-term. We know that they might bring a temporary forgetfulness, but that is not peace. And so we need to identify those false givers of peace in our own lives. We need to choose not to give in to them. And then we need to turn to the Prince of Peace. Peace. He's the one who can bring true peace into your, into your relationships, into your heart, into your mind, into what's going on in your life. Sometimes we need to invite a friend into our mess. Amen? Sometimes we need to go see a counselor. We need to do those things in order to confront the lack of peace in our hearts so that we can be people of peace. Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift. What a gift. Peace of mind and heart. What a gift that we can give to the people around us during Christmas. We can be peace-filled people. We can be peacemakers. What a gift. He says, so don't be troubled or afraid. It's awesome. Lastly, let's pay attention. Let's hearken to the fact that God has offered us eternal life in Jesus. Maybe today you'd say, you know what? I know where I stand with God. I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years and I have peace within as a result. Maybe today you're saying, I'm not really sure about Jesus. I'm not really sure about what it means to follow Him, what it means to believe in Him. And I just want to challenge you this Christmas season don't let Christmas go by without you knowing that you and God have made your relationship right, that you and God are at peace within. Because you know what? The ultimate gift of Christmas is Jesus. And that he came from heaven to earth and he lived a perfect life, as I was talking about, fully tempted in every way, but never sinned. So that you and I can give our sin to him. And be set free and be given peace internally. And peace with God in heaven. And guess what? Peace forever. And so I just want to encourage you, let's hearken this Christmas season. If you would say, I have never trusted in Jesus Christ. I'm going to lead us in a prayer in just a few minutes. And I want to invite you to pray with me. To invite Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior and your Messiah and your King. Because when you do, guess what? You will begin to find peace within. You will be made at peace with God right away as you trust in Jesus through faith. And you will begin to live a new life for him. We don't change instantly. I wish we did. We will be fully changed when we see Jesus face to face. But we will, you will have hope and peace within as you walk in this life. And so I just want to invite you. Maybe you, you're not sure or you want to know for sure. And I'm just going to invite you to pray with me. And you can just repeat after me in just a minute. I'll tell you when as I pray. But let's bow our heads. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. Lord, I thank you for this church, this body of believers, this family. God, that you have called out to yourself. Lord, you have revealed yourself to us. Lord Jesus, you have offered us your life. You have have offered us peace. And God, I pray for peace over our family this morning. Father, I know that there are situations that are difficult, that are just lacking your peace. Lord, Whether it might be a financial thing. Lord God, it might be a family thing where you're just like, gosh, this just breaks my heart. But Lord, you came so that we can have peace. So Father, I pray for each one this morning who would say, I'm just not sure. Who would say, I need to know God. I need Jesus in my life. And if that's you and you're ready today, if you just want to repeat these words after me, and everyone can pray along with me so we feel comfortable, but let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming from heaven to earth. Becoming God with us. God with me. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Jesus, would you be my Savior. This Christmas season. And forevermore. I trust you today. Amen. Amen. And family, just know that just as those first angels came and were rejoicing about the coming of Jesus, the Bible actually teaches that the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner turns and follows after him. So if you prayed today to receive Jesus Christ, guess what? There is a party going on in heaven for you right now. That's super exciting, isn't it? Amen. Well, God bless you. Great to see you here today. Uh, you can join us afterwards for a small group if you're interested. We also have our next steps class going on. And don't forget, next week, the 10th, is our big serve day. Right after church, we're going to be boxing goods. Well, first, we're going to break into teams. Then we're going to box the goods and go out to predetermined routes together as a team. No one will be alone. We're going to have a great time being the hands and feet of Jesus next week. So if you're able, please join us. God bless. No more announcements. Have